Describing a struggle maybe you can identify with, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. I don't know about you, but I find myself stuck in the material. I find myself stuck in what I see and what I think I understand, which then limits me to my own resources and my own abilities and perhaps miss what God's doing in the spiritual realm. He's doing a lot in the spiritual realm. And I believe angels are more involved in our lives than we give them credit for. One of the great revelations of God will be just how much the angels were actually involved in our lives. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You While the popularity of angels ebbs and flows in culture, the reality of them and their work in the spiritual realm does not. Angels and the unseen world. That's our focus today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're in the book of Hebrews. That not only mentions angels, but points to the unseen reality as well. Most live as if this unseen world doesn't exist, and they're the poorer for it. Here now to raise our awareness is Pastor Ed. Open your Bibles, would you, to Hebrews chapter 1. As we've just started, if you're new to Calvary, we've just started a verse-by-verse study through the book of Hebrews. And we are in verse 4 as slowly we're launching in to lay the right foundation of the superiority of Jesus Christ. Hebrews was written to a group of Jewish Christians that are tempted to go backwards, even as many times you're tempted to go backwards. For them, they were tempted to leave the simplicity of the gospel and go back to Judaism, the formalism of rituals, the formalism of religion that really didn't make sense to go backwards because they had the full substance in Christ. All of Judaism was pointing toward God, not in religion, but in relationship, in the soon coming of Messiah. Messiah came. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and lived and died and rose again. And so many of the early believers were Jewish converts, and they're at a crossroads. So what does Paul do? I believe the author, he took his quill in hand and he began to write. And he began to share the truths inspired by the Holy Spirit of the superiority of Jesus and how he is an anchor to our souls. And we come today to the study of angels. Why? Because the first chapter, most of the first chapter is spent proving from the Bible, quoting the Old Testament multiple times of how Jesus is more superior than angels. And we're in verse 4 of Hebrews chapter 1, We're speaking of Jesus having become so much better than the angels that he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. And the focus of our remaining studies, there'll be a few in chapter one, will be on the topic of angels. But today I want to ask and answer the question, who are angels? And we want to turn to God's word so that we might find that answer. Now, a study like this could go on for weeks. But for us, we're going to spend about 40 minutes asking and answering that question, what does the Bible have to say about angels? Because 
A few years ago, you know, angels were all the rage. The 90s seemed to be like the decade of the angels. There were movies, there were pens, there were paintings, there were books, there were t-shirts. Even there was a very, very popular TV show entitled Touched by an Angel. Did you guys ever watch that? How many of you watched Touched by an Angel? I mean, it was popular. It was the thing, angels. And there would be people, you know, wearing t-shirts with a big puffy looking angel, you know, on a cloud with a harp. And you're like, come on now. Is that what you seriously believe about angels? Now, not so much these days. If you've been around the church for any length of time, you know, the longer you're a Christian, the more you learn that unfortunately things come and go. And, and sometimes it's fortunate that they go. But there's these winds of doctrines. And so angels aren't really all the thing these days, although angels are fascinating creatures. And the Bible has a lot to say about them. And the thing that we learn in Hebrews is that angels are not anywhere near Jesus Christ. They are created beings. They are God's messengers. As a matter of fact, if you'd like to write in your Bible, circle the word angels in verse 4 and write next to it angelos, A-N-G-E-L-O-S. That's the Greek word. And of course, the word that's being used here is angelon, which is the plural of angelos. But it literally means messenger or an envoy or someone sent with a message. 179 times in the King James Bible, this word is used to describe angels. Angels. They're, angels do actually exist. They are magnificent, glorious creatures created by God. Most often they are unseen and live and serve in another dimension, the spiritual, unseen, invisible dimension around us. But when they are seen, it's a pretty amazing thing. So we turn our attention now to the Word of God to learn a few things about angels. And if you're taking notes, we'll jot some down. Now, those of you that have been with us for the studies in Hebrews, you have noticed a difference, haven't you, from our studies in John? Because John is a different type of a book in the Bible. It is called a narrative. The book of John is a narrative, which really takes you through the life of someone, the Jesus Christ in this case, and gives you a narrative following his life. That type of book is much easier to teach than something like Hebrews. Hebrews falls under the category of a letter, or in a more technical term, a didactic letter, which simply means a teaching letter, and it's filled with doctrine. It's more along the lines of Colossians or Ephesians or Galatians, so that the teaching style is a little bit different. You go back to the time that we spent three years studying the book of Romans. That's another didactic book of the Bible. So you'll notice that we're going to slow down, and on some occasions we need to stop and really do an in-depth Bible study with lists and various verses in order to get the weight of a topic like we will with angels today. So here's a few things. Number one, angels are created beings. Psalm 104, verse 4. The Bible says that God makes his angels spirits. They are created. They are not the creator. So Jesus becomes better than the angels in the greatest category there is, that he's the creator, he created angels, and creation is always less than the creator. So they're created beings. Not only that, they also have a role that has some type of superiority to man. Notice Hebrews chapter 2, verse 6. It says, one testified in a certain place saying, what is man that you're mindful of him or the son of man that you take care of him? You've made him a little lower 
than the angels. And so somehow in the creative order, man is made a little lower than the angels. Secondly, we learn in the Bible that there are many angels. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, speaking of an innumerable company of angels. Thirdly, we learn angels are very smart or highly intelligent. It says in Psalm 103, verse 20, Bless the Lord, you as angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. What makes them so smart? They do his word. They heed the word of God. Number four, angels are extremely powerful. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, says that angels that are greater in power and might. Fifthly, angels watch you. Angels observe man. They watch you. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, it speaks of the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers. The angels watch the church and they learn more about God's infinite love for you and me. And they're interested in us and they watch us. They look at our lives. Number six, we learn in the Bible that some angels, a third of them, rebelled against God following the lead of Satan, of Lucifer, following along, and a third of the angels fell. They are now known as demons. Still angels, but this makes up the demonic realm. And we learn at the end of Revelation, in Revelation 20, that they're all thrown into the lake of fire forever to be tormented, separated from God. Two-thirds of the angels are still loyal to God. One-third followed the devil. Angels live in God's presence day and night. And it's because of their high and exalted place in creation that many have looked to and even worshipped angels and not God. But it's not and never has been God's will for angels to receive exalted attention, let alone be worshipped. We are not to worship angels. Neither are we to allow angels to give us new doctrine. Did you know the Bible says that we're to reject any other gospel than the true gospel, even if an angel delivers it to you? And you say, come on, Ed, why would an angel deliver a false doctrine? Well, did you know that one of the fastest growing false religions and cults today was started by a man by the name of Joseph Smith, who reported an angelic visitation who gave to him the foundational book on which this false religion has been created. It's called the Book of Mormon. And Mormonism was started by a false doctrine given to a man through a demon. The demon even has a name. They named him Moroni. Now, lest you, coming from uh, Mormonism, get upset with me, I would challenge you not to be mad at me but rather study for yourself. I know it can be hard to receive the truth when the truth hits so close to home. But I also know deep down in your heart, you want to know the truth. Deep down in your heart, there is a spirituality about you, a dedication, a commitment. But in, in that dedication and commitment, my heart knows well as yours is you want to follow the truth. So rather than get mad at me, just study for yourself. There's a great resource 
that's available, both to those of you that listening in, and of course, probably not in this room, but perhaps there is, but more along the lines of those listening on the radio or online, there's a great resource that will help you understand the Bible as it relates to the false teachings of Mormonism, and that is Reasoning from the Scriptures with Mormons by Ron Rhodes, one of the best resources. But see how the demonic realm can even influence humanity with false teachings, and we must be careful of that and reject any false teaching no matter who delivers it. Angels have their place, but always and forever below Jesus Christ, as we see in Hebrews chapter 1. Now, the Bible also teaches us that there are various ranks and categories of angels. If you jot it down, number one, we meet Michael. He's an archangel. He is the prime administrator of God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God. Michael is the archangel the prime administrator of God. Another angel is mentioned in the Bible by name. His name is Gabriel. Now, Gabriel is not called an archangel. He might be in that category, but the Bible never calls him that. But we do know that he's a special messenger of mercy. We see him being used by God to answer a prayer in Daniel's life that we'll look at a little bit more later. But in Daniel chapter 9, verse 21, it says, Daniel speaking, Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, who I'd seen in the vision at the beginning being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening sacrifice, an angel used in the answering of prayer. There's a third category of angels we learn in the Bible. They're called the seraphim, S-E-R-A-P-H-I-M. These are angels who praise God. We find that in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, speaking of the seraphim and in their majestic. And it says that they have six wings, covered their face with two, covered their feet with two, and with two they flew. And one of the seraphim would always cry to another saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. There's another category, number four of angels. This is known as the cherubim. And this is where the common view of angels come in our world today because they always speak of what? Cherubs. But the Bible actually speaks of a category of angels known as the cherubim. I am in the Hebrew is plural. Cherubim, seraphim. Cherubim are, they're simply angels that we see proclaiming God all over the Bible. And there are also these powerful angels that remember in Genesis chapter 3 were set at the Garden of Eden with swords to never allow anyone back in after the fall and after sin. And so there's cherubim. Another category, number five, are just angels that are described as worshiping God, Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6. The number six, another category, this is a great category because we get to cooperate with this category of angels a lot in our fellowship, and that is according to Luke chapter 15, verse 10, there's a category of angels that rejoice when someone repents of their sins. Listen to what he says, Jesus speaking. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. And so we get to participate with that. When someone gives their life to the Lord or comes back after a backslidden experience, we rejoice with the angels in heaven. And the Bible says, number seven, that there's a category of angels that many angels will return with Jesus Christ at his second coming, Matthew chapter 24, verse 31. There's just something going on in the invisible, unseen world where angels exist. 
It's fascinating. You know, here's the problem. I wonder if it's because of our Western rationalism that we don't pay attention to the spiritual realm so much. We are, whether you realize it or not, we are so stuck in the material world. We are so stuck with food, with clothing, the very things that Jesus told us not to be worried about. What is it that we're always worried about? What is it that we're always thinking about? Money, food, clothes, all of these things Jesus said the Gentiles seek after, but instead seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. I don't know about you, but I find myself stuck in the material. I find myself stuck in what I see and what I think I understand, which then limits me to my own resources and my own abilities and perhaps miss what God's doing in the spiritual realm. He's doing a lot in the spiritual realm. And I believe angels are more involved in our lives than we give them credit for. One of the great revelations of God will be just how much the angels were actually involved in our lives. Because there is an unseen world. Like, for example, in this room right now, there is reggae music blasting in this room right now. Listen. Can't you hear it? There's pop music playing in this room right now. There is talk radio going on in this room right now. The unseen wavelengths of radio have permeated this building. They're there right now. All that we need is the right tuner to tune in to hear the unseen. Same with television signals. All we need is the right tuner to see what we can't see with the naked eye. So it is true with the things of God. I mean, if God was to open our eyes right now, I believe there is a spiritual battle going on in this room as I speak. There is a battle between the demonic realm and the spiritual realm. Perhaps there might even be an angel hovering over you that you've had in your life since you were a child. If we would just open our eyes to see the unseen, let me show you what I mean, lest you think this isn't real. Turn over to 2 Kings. Let me show you the beauty of the unseen world, that we might long to see what can't be seen with the naked eye, that we would long to participate in the spiritual, not just the physical, that we wouldn't be so quick to explain things away, that we wouldn't be so quick to just say, well, you know, that's what normally happens. And the Lord just really impressed upon my heart to exhort us as a church today with this verse, not in 2 Kings, you keep turning there, but at this verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's the spiritual. Lean not on your own understanding. That's the physical. Acknowledge him in all your ways. That's the, say with me, that's the spiritual. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your paths. Acknowledge him in all your ways is probably physical. And then the spiritual is directing. So you get it. Just take it home, figure it out. You're just like, man, I think Ed messed up. Okay, just figure it out. Sort it all out. God will take care of it in your life. But here's the exhortation. You're spending too much time in the physical realm and you're losing out on what God wants to do in the spiritual realm through your life. You're just so caught. You might be caught at the bottle. It's all physical. It's not helping you spiritually. You might be caught at the joint. Man, it's all physical. You might be caught in the anger and the bitterness. It's all physical and completely removes you from what God wants to do in the spiritual. Why would you gather together? You, you think of the, the rationality of getting up in the morning, 
hustling out of the house, gathering to a particular location to sing, to, to talk to somebody, and then to listen to someone talk. Why would you do that? Why? Because God in the spiritual realm uses that in your life. Why would I have the calling of pastor-teacher? Well, I know that. The Bible answers. My responsibility as a pastor-teacher is to equip you, the saints, for the work of the ministry. You and I, we come in to go out. We don't live here. We, we come in to be built up, to be spoken to spiritually, so that even why would we study the topic of angels? Well, because the people you work with are into angels. They're into the spiritual realm. Uh, you know, they're not into God, capital G, but they realize, the Bible says that God has put eternity into the hearts of his creation. They realize there's something more than themselves. They realize that creation speaks of someone else. They realize that their life is empty. They'll never, you know, most of the time they don't admit it. Most of the time, I know all throughout my life, I would never, ever admit to my friends just how empty I was, how disconnected from reality I was. And, and you know, there were a few things in my life that you could see, well, that guy, he's messed up. But I was far more messed up than you could see. And God is wanting to bridge the gap with the physical to the spiritual through you. It's not my responsibility, it's our responsibility. So that when the next time somebody comes to work with that big cherub angel looking thing on the shirt, look at my brand new shirt, look what I got for Christmas. It's a, you know, an angel with a harp on a cloud and you know, I'm really into angels. You'll be able to say, do you know that the Bible teaches about angels? Do you know there's a lot to learn? And you never know what kind of bridge God will bring from you to them when you have the truth of God's word. Because you know, opinions don't change people's minds and they don't change people's lives. So you can have an opinion, well, I don't think angels, well, who cares what you think? What does the Bible say? Because Bible changes lives. It, the word of God is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's the gospel, the good news, that your sins can be forgiven, that when you bring that into someone's life, it actually has the power in and of itself to save someone. If you can just get to the place of bringing someone from where they are in the physical to the cross, the spiritual. So check this out, what's going on in the invisible world. 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. We have a, an incident where Elisha's with his servant and an army is sent to surround them and destroy them. Notice, it says, therefore, verse 14, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army. So when the servant gets up in the morning and he looks out on everything around him, what does he see? Say it, church. An army. He, he only sees the physical, which is just like you and me, like today. Like today. I'm sitting there waiting for Katie to get ready so we can go to church. And I hear this crazy sound. And I say, hey, Katie, is that you? Because they're still sleeping in the house. And I say, Katie, she doesn't answer. And then, and I'm like, Katie, is it going on? And she comes out, no, it's not me. And then Marie comes, no, it's not me. You know who it is? That stinking woodpecker came back. That's the physical. This is Abounding Grace, and you're listening to a message from pastor and Bible teacher Ed Taylor. Catch a replay when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com. If you haven't already downloaded the free app, simply search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. 
Here in the month of February, we've picked out an excellent book written by Roy Hessian called The Calvary Road. In it, he teaches that it's through brokenness, humility, and confession that we can prepare our hearts to receive the fullness that God wants for us. If you long for revival and power in your life, this is a must-read. And we'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And please remember, it's through your financial support that we're able to come to you day by day on this station. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. Request your book today by calling us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, the phone number is 877-30-GRACE. If you'd rather not have the book but still want to make a donation, that can be done rather easily at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And we'd like to connect with you before the day is done. Say hello. Tell us what God is up to in your life when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com. Scroll down to the bottom of our homepage, and you can click on Connect With Us. Another way we can stay connected is through social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Find the links to each on our website, AboundingGraceRadio.com. So don't miss our next study in Hebrews with Pastor Ed Taylor tomorrow on Abounding Grace. And may God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.